This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk with martial arts practitioners about their histories and the influence their practice of martial arts has on their lives. You are listening to the free version of this podcast, which is abbreviated. Help support this program by considering to subscribe to us on Patreon and access the full-length version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcasts, all for the price of one coffee shop coffee per month. Go to www.patreon.com slash malmag. That's www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. In this episode, I sit down at the Inosanto Academy with Seattle martial artist and physical trainer James Neidlinger. We talk about his getting into martial arts through a personal injury, the philosophical side of martial arts, and using martial arts to make better humans. Sit back and enjoy. In this episode, I have a friend, James Neidlinger, who I met through uh, my martial arts study and actually was a highly recommended person coming from uh, my old friend Christopher Harley and there's no such thing as a not highly recommended person coming from Christopher Harley because if Christopher Harley tells me you should know this person or you make sure to know this person it's just uh, that's a stamp of gold so um, what can I say you you came through a good channel and uh, we were just talking the other day about um, what I think was your introduction into martial arts through personal injury yeah, I, I was in a car accident in 1996 where I was sitting at a stoplight and somebody rear-ended me at about 45 miles an hour. And it was a Volkswagen Rabbit. They hit me hard enough to push the bumper all the way to the rear wheel. You were in the Rabbit or the Rabbit hit you? I was in the Rabbit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. those cars. If you've no. never seen a car like that, it's like, it looks like a little hat box. Uh, my mom had a Dodge Omni back in the day, which was designed after that. Had the, yeah, yeah. had the Volkswagen Rabbit engine in it. Yeah, the BMW that hit me didn't they didn't compare uh, so I have a torn disc in my neck and I've got a couple of herniated discs in my lumbar and thoracic spine and I was pretty beat up and I wanted to get fit again I was tired of being I just I spent like almost a year in so much pain that I couldn't get out of a chair oh wow and all I could do was get dressed and go to work and then like grit my teeth through a day and do painkillers what was your work did <clears throat> Uh, I was a driver, so, so this sitting. ended my career. Oh yeah, and then I had to, to, I had to pay bills, so I had to keep working. And the company that I worked for said, "Well, okay, you can do stuff on foot. You can just walk." So I wound up delivering paperwork around downtown on foot and uh, doing court filings and just working. It was a legal support company, uh, but out of that, I wanted to get fit, and I was in my twenties, so I'm you know a young male, full of anger and <laughs> talk a lot of smack and I figured since I was going to talk a lot of smack I might as well learn how to fight you know I'll de- defend myself when I get into fights that I don't get into uh, so <laughs> so I walked into the Minnesota Collie group and I saw Guru Mike Amelia was this is what I walked in on was him straight blasting somebody across the room and them trying to not get punched in the face and I was like that looks like a fight that looks like real actual fighting and I know that'll get me in shape, so let's do this. Um, so you're living in Minnesota at the time? Yeah, I was in, living in Minneapolis. So this is kind of a funny aside. Just it, 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 people who are listening to these podcasts are going to start laughing, going, "Jesus, do you not know somebody who's connected to MKG?" Because right, I think you're right. literally the third or the fourth person. And I'm sitting here in LA. I've not even been in Minnesota in years, guys. And and this is you're the I think third or fourth person from MKG that I've talked the, to. The Minnesota College. <laughs> so that's a 
a rare and special place on the planet. <laughs> it, it is. It's a weird vortex yeah. for like super talented and very passionate people to show up and, and either get started or progress. And uh, we were talking on the way up the stairs that I see a lot of people around the academy now that I remember seeing when I started at the Minnesota Collie Group in late 97 or early 97 mm -hmm. and that they were moving on to come out here to Los Angeles to either get into stunt work or to get into the movies or to just train at the academy and be a, an assignment instructor and that seeing them now and what they're doing it's it's just awesome to see the kind of trickling out the permeation mm -hmm. of the Inasano family into everything uh, it's selfish pleasure like, <laughs> it's the thing that I like, and yeah. I like seeing it spread. And, and the but the the Collie group out of Minnesota, I think, was just a rare spot where uh, they had a, an extra special incubator for that same thing, where yeah. they were trying to spread the Inasano family out and get get a better uh, not foothold or establishment because it was already there, but to get a better understanding of what was possible through that training system. Right. Uh, and the way, it t the way it's changed my life and the way I've watched it change other people's lives, it's amazing, it's amazing. I personally have worked with clients as a fitness trainer using mm -hmm. the Inasano Blend stick work or Ponantukin or C-Lot ground movements as corrective exercise with people that have, they're trying to recover from physical injuries or they have some kind of a demyelinating disease or they've got a Parkinsonian disease or just the the, the list goes on and, and we've got other people in our organization as well like Paul that are, are doing you know with the cognitive Kali mm -hmm. the stuff that he's doing is it's really important it's really cool it's very the potential for helping others through that vehicle is so high oh yeah uh, it also gives people uh, access to something that we don't have a lot in our society anymore, which is kind of physical autonomy. Right. Like, you know, you don't get to put your hands on me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't have to be, like, angry or obnoxious about it. I just feel like, hey, you can't put your hands on me, and I'm comfortable telling you that because right. I know that... I can deal with the consequences. Sure. But I think that's where it's so far removed from people that... Well, and the funny thing is that. I think there's, there's a thing about negative touch, what you're talking about. Sure. Positive touch. Yeah. And we get that, I think, in what we do in ways that people would look at and go, what are you talking about? You're practicing, you're practicing punching each right. other. It's like, yeah, but, simulated it's, but it's someone I've got a real bond with. Yeah. So it's like, even though, yeah, it's a simulated strike or even if it's sparring, it's an actual strike. I mean, not hard. I mean, we're not trying to knock it's each other out. Friends. But it is my friends and it's just like, the it, it, it sounds weird, but it's like, it's one, it's consensual. Yeah. I mean, that that's the difference between violence and not in the end. Is the, the consent to it, you know? Because football players, oh, people go, "That's violence." I'm like, you know, and and Jay O'Shea talks about this in her book, um, "Risk Failure Play." If you haven't read that, mm. love to get you. And you probably met Jay because she trains her at the academy and getting her involved in podcasts and stuff too. But really good book. I'll make All sure right. you get a, a thing risk, on that. Risk I mean, play fail. Risk uh, failure play. Risk failure play. And one of the things she talks about with violence, the difference between say violence and a sport. Or an activity is this idea of consent. 
And you can sure. look any time that there's a mugging. That's one person's not consenting right. to that at all. Yeah. But in football or boxing, <clears throat> MMA, there's a consent to it. Yeah, I, I, I joke about it in two ways. That uh, the I use a restaurant analogy mm -hmm. with fitness, mostly martial arts, the same. But the idea that like if you come in and you're like, hey, I want to lift 500 pounds off the floor in a deadlift. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. These are the things that have to take place for that to happen. Are you willing to accept the consequences for that? That you may potentially injure yourself. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, you're going to have this ability, but you may give up some other function. Right. You may lose some mobility. You may mm -hmm. lose some speed. Maybe it hurts. It might just suck out loud. The yeah. training sucks. To, <laughs> you know, you hit a certain point where it's just it's not fun anymore, man. It's you're right. not plat. You, you're not making everyday gains and really cooking. And the same thing with self-defense and the martial arts. That if you wanna, you wanna be a fighter. There's things you have to do to be a fighter that are not gonna be entertaining. Right. They're gonna suck out loud. Well, that's very true. It's a lot of work. But you're an adult. You can make the decision. There's right. consent. So the other joke I make is that all martial arts is a third date. It's third date rules. <laughs> you know, communicate your needs and desires. Tell right. people what you like and do not like. Tell them it's too fast, too hard, too slow. Tell yeah. them to do more or less. Like, yeah. you know, and be open to the possibility of trying new things. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of which may shock you. Uh, right. Yeah, you may find your brand new friend. <laughs> yeah, this right. is the most amazing thing ever. I never thought I would like this. Right? <laughs> Who knew garlic and apples went well together? Yeah, exactly. And other things. That's right. <laughs> but third date rules, right? Right? Yeah. That, that like, it's it, part of it is you're on a third date. You've had two other dates with this person. Mm -hmm. You know them well enough that you want to be in the room with them anyway. Right. So yeah. we're all in a room together. We all sign waivers. We all know what we're doing here. We have a baseline agreement of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I hope. And then we can move from that platform, but that can be really challenging if, uh, like you say, if there's no consent in it. And yeah, people completely mistake the, the sport and the competition aspect of it for actual violence. I think there's a, there's a weird disconnect where martial artists talk about that, but right. then they don't necessarily put in place it, well, yeah, the practice, yeah, yeah, put in place anything to practice around it. Like right. to, how do you establish like doing a drill where you have to talk to the cops? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A 30-second conversation could change your life. Sure, of course. And if you're actually teaching learning self-defense and trying to put that on the road, then at some point you're going to have to speak to law enforcement. Yeah. Being able to articulate yourself in a clear and understandable way that yeah. doesn't send you to jail for the rest yeah, of your of life is pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the de-escalation, I mean... Yeah, don't be in a hurry to use your stuff. You know, don't don't sure. push it into that level. Right. And then, I mean, I think about sea lot, for instance, a really good example. The way we practice it, there's <laughs> there's a move, and then there's the follow ups. Well, sure. you start doing those follow ups, you're going to jail, my Come friend. Come see the violence. And yeah, yeah, the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just... I put you on the ground. Now I'm doing five other cuts with a knife or breaks or whatever, and you're just like, okay, you know, and that's cataloging. And I understand the idea of that, that kind of practice. And, sure. Um, my thought too is when you do this, you better be smiling and laughing with the person doing this. Otherwise, it's pretty fucking psychotic. Right? This might get creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a there's an aspect of training that would be benefit that would benefit 
having that kind of aggressive, intense state of mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I joke with my students, they should go take an improv class. Go take an improv class. That's true. You have to accept the premise. That's self-defense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Never even thought of that. That's pretty. That's pretty smart. Somebody hands you Hitler baby, you got Hitler baby. That's right. Yeah. That, you know. And if somebody starts attacking you, you're you're defending yourself. That's, yeah. But the other end of that is also communication. Mm-hmm. And you maybe you learn how to to go with it, and maybe mm-hmm. you figure out. Oh, they're not mad. They're actually really happy. They're just you know they're just shouting happy. They're not yeah. shouting mad. Right. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with Paul Ekman's work? Uh, no. Facial emotional recognition stuff hmm. where they've got uh, he was following up on Darwin's theory that all mammals have a recognizable series of emotional expressions oh, okay. and that they're common across species mm-hmm. so that if I showed you a picture of people from Borneo you would recognize their emotional their emotion. All right, okay. and they narrowed them down to like seven different ones and I took the. He had this Sounds cool, familiar. I just don't know the, the name. Movie, yeah. the, uh, the TV show Lie to Me with okay. uh, Tim Roth mm-hmm. was based on Paul Edmund's work. And a lot of the facial recognition software, the threat assessment stuff, uh-huh. is being influenced by him. He's mad about some of it. Oh, I'm because sure. Because he feels like maybe it's being misused. Uh, but but that, that gets into the details of what he did. Anyway. He had an online test you could take to see if you recognize these things, and then okay. you, could, uh, you could kind of use it like a training thing, where you, you get a microsecond to figure out what expression it is, and then you choose, right? Oh, wow. Uh, just, you know, uh, good, bad, in between, whatever. And the two that I failed consistently, no matter how many times I took the test, were anger and fear. Really? So I can't tell when people are mad or angry, or, or mad or afraid. Yeah. And like when I was doing that. Oh, it's so close. Yeah, one's flat and one's like the the lips flatten out with with anger and the eyebrows flatten out and the eyes narrow and it's it just everything draws tight. But with fear the the same thing happens but the eyes kinda open up and draw back. Yeah. So it's really cool. You can get his book uh, Unmasking the Face. Mm. Has all of the, the stuff in there, or you can. Well, my thought too is they're they're one quick switch away from each other. Yeah, because fear can turn into that anger, anger real fast. Fast. Oh, yeah. every time in traffic, you mm-hmm. almost hit somebody, and you're yeah. afraid that you almost yeah. hit them, and then you're so mad at right. them for being in front of your car. Right. <laughs> How dare you get yeah. in the way of my thirty-five hundred pound vehicle? But then the funny thing is, you think it's also happy because it right the horror film and a roller coaster. You go through that, I'm afraid, but now, ha, that's right. fun. Ah, you know, whatever, yeah, that's crazy. The worst part is you don't know why they're having that emotional response. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's have, no context to that in the test, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah there's, no, uh, there's no clear way to identify what thought they were having when they had that unregulated emotional expression mm-hmm. that was not something they had control over. Because it's reflexive. And that's why they use them, in, or they're trying to use them in interrogation. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Threat assessment at airports and stuff, because you pick up micro-expressions. Sure. People will give you clues into their mental state. Um, and this, this goes in, I don't know if you've read Left a Bang, uh, where they talk about kind of the identifying the conditions that are present 
when people start thinking about doing bad things. Oh. Like, what are the environmental conditions that are around mm-hmm. when an IED gets placed? Right. So, you know, there's going to be some something that sticks out as, like, the, the locals aren't acting the same. Right, yeah, yeah. The normal people aren't around, or just some, there'll be some kind of an indicator. And yeah. the idea was to find the the problem before you got to the left of bang to get it yes. over here to right. see the guy that's about to place the thing mm-hmm. not find the thing that's been placed and then have to disarm it and a big part of what they talk about in there is it, it I think it's a, a big piece of the the idea behind Kali is that you're you're trying to or at least as Guru Nasano has articulated it to us that you're, you're learning this to uh, promote life, to protect yourself, to yeah. protect others, <laughs> and that it's not a, a, a fascination with death and violence or anything like that, but it's it's something that I want those things to be present, life and happiness and mm-hmm. joy and puppies, and for that to be present, then somebody has to be willing to occasionally like get hit with a stick or something, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and then how do we do that in a healthy way? And then the, the thing that I focused on that kind of back to our original conversation, I walked into the Kali group, saw Mike getting punched somebody in the face, and I was like, oh, that looks like real violence. Well, that was my vehicle to rehabbing my body. And then that didn't work anymore. Martial arts started breaking me. Mm. So I got into corrective fitness. And uh, through that, I was introduced to the functional movement systems. Uh, the, the, if you know Mark Chang. Yeah, of course Mark I know Mark Chang. Chang. Uh, <laughs> Good, yeah, I'm right. shocked he wasn't right. here today, actually, in uh, class. I was looking to talk to him a little bit. The, he's really instrumental, and in, he's actually been a really big influence for me uh, on that end, uh, because he, he was FMS, part of that that's FMS The Great Cook stuff, yeah. yeah, we, yeah, yeah several yeah. of us went down and did the, uh, we learned how to do the screening. Yes, uh, so using the functional that, yeah. movement screen to assess people and figure out, you know, okay, what should I do with them, and what should I not do with them? If I do this exercise with them, it's not going to help them become better today. Mm-hmm. So I want to avoid that now. And it might be the difference between having somebody do standing Sinawali and coming down to half kneeling. Right. Or kneeling or seated. Um, like I have, I have a couple of kids in my class that can't see it because I'm on radio. But they, when they sit in a 90-90 position with one leg behind them. Um, so this would be, uh, if you're listening, like a sawa position sort of if you do um, C-Lot or it looks similar to if you do ballet maybe a Martha Graham uh, yeah the shin box yeah I think people call it but just this is really hard for some people because their hip yeah, mobility yeah. isn't there and there was an aspect of the fitness stuff that I was studying that started getting into functional neurology their thing was well the brain controls everything and everything starts there. So why are we addressing muscles? Why don't we address the brain? Yeah. And some people went into this weird rabbit hole with that where <laughs> all they did was play with their brains and they didn't do anything for their bodies. Mm-hmm. And if you like look at... Creative the, laziness. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like, well, <laughs> if you look at the history of martial arts, that's what Buddhism was. That's what Shaolin was. That yeah. the, the Bodhidharma showed up Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of monks sitting around starving and unhealthy and wasting physically away. And he's like, hey, you guys are 
way more likely to get to enlightenment if you eat some food. Yeah, exactly. And do some exercise. Yeah. That thing you're seeing is probably not enlightenment <laughs> as much as it is just a delusion from right. being too hungry. <laughs> you may be hallucinating from starvation. Exactly. Um, but I just thought that was always the weirdest thing. Like, uh, you know, this guy brings Buddhism to China and he shows up and they're all like not super having a good time. Yeah. Maybe you guys should do some yoga and eat some fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now, now we're starting to understand the difference between thin Indian Buddha and fat right. Chinese Buddha, right? Yeah. So, so through the functional movement screen, I, I got introduced to the, the to other just through the RKC kettlebells and all the stuff that was involved in fitness. I got into this functional neurology stuff, and it started being where I could look at somebody and figure out that they needed to do like an inward and a backhand on the right side only with their head turned to the left and half kneeling and that's all they needed to do today and that was it that was the only thing they were doing but at the end of that session they would leave and the everything they did outside of the gym was easier for them wow they could walk better talk better Mm -hmm. and i'm not it's a weird thing to say, but they literally talk better. So there's drills well, that sure. I give people that are for I mean, that's just that's pure functional movement right there. Your everyday thing that you're going to do repetitively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Autonomous motion. Yeah. The thing that we do without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That we have tons of reps on. Right. If that changes, that's a problem. Yeah. Or it might be better because if the thing that we've been getting tons of rep on, reps on is not more efficient if it's not actually leading right. to better outcomes. You build a bad habit. Right. A bad pattern. And yeah. we've all had that like twist our ankle walk And this concludes the abbreviated version of the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast. Please remember to hit the like button and subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program by going to patreon.com slash malmag and subscribing for access to the full-length podcasts. Again, that is www.patreon slash M-A-L-M-A-G. Thank you for listening to this episode with James Neidlinger. Coming up next week, we've got a couple of sparky personalities from the United Kingdom, Lee and Peter Richardson. This show is produced by Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine. Visit us at martialartslifestylemagazine.com. Music by Jack Al Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC.